Hello, I'm Tom Moore, the director of The Secret of Kells, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hello, and welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is your weekly source for information on remakes, sequels, upcoming movies, and, of course, our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry this week, director, co-producer, writer of The Secret of Kells. The Oscar-nominated animated movie is here. Tom Moore is going to be joining us. It's out on DVD right now, so you can check that out. A lot of people didn't see the movie when it was announced that it was an Oscar-nominated film uh, because it really didn't have much of a release at that time, and uh, Tom's going to talk about that, so we'll get into that, and that'll be coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Um, and, and in the coming weeks, we have some Great, fascinating guests each week coming your way. Uh, and if you would like to suggest somebody who you would like to hear on the show, just send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we'll see what we can do about getting that person on. Um, also, remember to check us out on Facebook, and if you uh, you know go to our homepage, you can see it right there. And if you download our show on iTunes, we'd appreciate it if you would rate us and you know leave a little review there. And uh, so we can get the words spread around about the show. And uh, what do you say? It's time to check out remakes with Remake Madness coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, rumors are out that the Hulk may get another remake, uh, reboot, redone, redo, whatever you want to call it. But uh, they haven't really released any definite information yet. But uh, we'll keep you updated on that. But it does look... From the words we're hearing, that there will be another Hulk coming your way. Uh, not a sequel, but a reboot or a remake. And uh, we'll keep you updated. And the next remaking of Superman is back in the news. This has been on and off and on and off. But this time they're saying that General Zod will be the villain. Okay? And Brandon Roth will most likely not be the one to play Superman. So we'll keep you updated on that one, too. And Sony Pictures Animation will be making the children's book The Familiars into a big-screen film, and it will be directed by a former Pixar employee, and that's Doug Sweetland. He's going to be directing that film, so uh, we'll see how that comes out. And that's about it for remakes. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming movies? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, as far as upcoming movies, uh, I always like this because it's always something different here. It's not the same old retreads that we've heard about. But Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise may join forces once again in a film called El Presidente. Now, this is going to be a comedy 
about a Secret Service agent who has to protect an ex-president. All right. And they last appeared, of course, together in the film uh, A Few Good Men. So uh, combining those two guys is usually a good bet. So we'll see what that one comes out as. Uh, that story's sort of been told before, and I can remember some other films, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with it. And Justin Timberlake and Olivia Wilde will star in an unnamed thriller about a man falsely accused of murder who goes on the run with a hostage. And a movie showcasing the music of the Beach Boys, sort of like uh, Mamma Mia!, is in the works. So we'll keep you an eye out for that one. That's about it for upcoming movies. Next, taking you down to Sequel City for sequels, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, Bruce Willis says Die Hard 5 will probably start filming in 2011. And rumors are out that uh, more Avenger films are in the works, despite that the first one is yet to be released. All right. And of course, that comes as no surprise because these superhero movies are, are always being, you know, sequels no matter what. And uh, the first Avenger is due out in 2012. And as uh, we've told you before in an earlier show, Stallone is planning Expendables 2. And the word is out that Stone Cold Steve Austin will be back for another round. That's it for sequels. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. TV on DVD, well, season four of Airwolf is on the horizon. There's no definite date yet, but they say it will be out in the first quarter of 2011. And let's see, December 21st, look for the final season of Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea to finally be released. And December 28th, Archer, FX's very funny animated spy spoof, lands on DVD. So get a wait for that one, because that's a good show. I like that one. And let's see, coming up next on On Screen to Beyond, Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, well, it looks like the Christmas season is coming upon us on November 2nd. Christmas in the Clouds comes to DVD, and it stars Rita Coolidge as one of the persons in it. And uh, she, of course, was a past guest on On Screen to Be On. And you can go to the review pages, uh, reruns pages, rather, of On Screen to Be On to hear her interview. and Check that out. And available now on DVD, for the kids, No Limit Kids. Much Ado About Middle School. It's a lively family musical you might want to check that out for the kids and grown-ups for those of the kids that haven't grown up it's adam sandler and kevin james it hits the stores on november 9th that's it for movies on dvd coming up next tom moore the director of the secret of kells now if you haven't seen this one out it is out on dvd now so you gotta check it out it's a good film it's a, if you like animation this is a movie for you tom moore is next right here on on screen and beyond Today, my guest on On Screen and Beyond is one of the producers, writer, and director of the Oscar-nominated animation film The Secret of Kells, which is now out on DVD. It's Tom Moore. Tom, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thanks very much. Nice to chat to you. Tom, uh, first off, congratulations on the success of uh, Secret of Kells. Uh, when you were making the film, did you ever imagine that it would bring you an Oscar nomination? Oh, definitely not. No, it was something that we were just it was going to be a success just to get it finished. 
for a long time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's been pretty amazing uh, the amount of uh, success we've had with it, actually, and it's all good. I mean, even getting the DVDs out today is really brilliant because I think a lot of people who mightn't have had a chance to see it in cinemas and stuff here in the US are right. going to be able to find it on DVD, so that's cool. Yeah, uh, and, and and how long did it take you to make? You know, animation is a long process. How long did it take you to make it? Well, I mean, we were actually in production working on it every day for three years. But prior to that, I had um, originally had the idea back in 1999 when I was in college. And we'd been sort of working on it like a labor of love, just developing it, doing a bit, bit when we could um, for six six years or so before we actually started production. So. Wow. Jeez. Uh, now, when how did you get into animation? Um, I was... Um, in, when I was in a kid in Ireland, I was in a town in Kilkenny where I grew up, mm-hmm. uh, where I still live. Um, I was really into comics and stuff, and uh, I used to get read like Asterix comics from France and American comics. And um, animation definitely seemed fairly remote. But um, Don Bluth set up a studio in Dublin right. um, to make a, you know, like American animated feature films, but they were making them in Dublin, so that was all over the news, and that was on TV. And they even set up a college in Dublin in Ballyfermot and so when I was about I suppose I was about eight or nine um, I saw a program on TV about the Don Bluth studio and I kind of said oh it's actually possible to be an animator in Ireland and it kind of opened my eyes to it actually being a possible career option and not just something that was done by magic somewhere far away right <laughs> and so I sort of followed that path since about then huh. who were your inspirations uh, to, to become an animator um, I suppose yeah I mean that, that was the, those were the, like the Classic Disney's and uh, Don Bluth Studio being in Dublin and uh, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff when I was a kid was my first exposure to animation and there was a great series on uh, Irish television called Masters of Animation every Sunday mm-hmm. and they used to show animation from all over the world and that's when I first started seeing like Eastern European animation and some of that crazy stuff and mm-hmm. animation from Japan and everything like that so it was a pretty inspiring time you know. Seeing that much different animation because obviously um, the animation from Japan uh, is, is different than you know what you get from Disney and then uh, were you influenced by more by one than the other um, I think when we went to I think when, when we went to college because we were training um, in a kind of system that had been set up by Don Bluth for that particular method it was our natural inclination to try and kick against it you know <laughs> and try and find our own our own voice you know mm-hmm. so I think uh, the biggest influence for me at the time was um, an independent animator called Richard Williams and he'd been the animation director on um, Roger Rabbit. And oh. He was famous for that. But he'd been working on a pet project, a personal project called The Thief and the Cobbler, for about 25 years. And it was this VHS tape that was being passed around our college. It was pre-internet days, you know, or at least if the internet was around, we weren't really um, online very much. Either. Right. And so they were passing this VHS tape around of this kind of copy of a copy of The Thief and the Cobbler. And it was just mind-blowing to me because he'd been working on it on the side for a long time while, you know, working for Disney, doing commercials, doing whatever it took to pay the bills. And... Um, I sort of I was very inspired by that. And also, the art style of it was based on Persian art, so he was doing something that I felt was fairly unique for hand-drawn animation at a time. This is like 19, 1995 or so when I first saw it, mm-hmm. and that was the time Toy Story came out, and I think everyone was feeling like 2D animation was dead. But I felt like this guy was showing that what 2D animation could still do. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, this everything seems to be 3D animation, computerized, and all that stuff. Uh, what made you to decide to stay with, you know, more of a traditional 2D animation? Well, I mean, first of all, that was, you know, what I was interested in personally mm-hmm. um, and what I'd, what I'd studied. And I guess because of that, that's why we gravitated towards a story that I felt could really only be told in, in 
2D animation. And because the story was about, you know, these artists creating this book by hand, and, you know, they were some of the greatest craftsmen of all time, we kind of said it would be a disservice to them to, you know, go the computer animated route, and we wanted to do something that was, like, handmade as well. Even though we use computers a lot to kind of... Right, yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, did... did did you strictly use cell or no? No, it was all drawn on paper. All the animation was drawn on paper, or let's say ninety percent of it was, and then it was scanned in, and, and we coloured it, and we also scanned some hand painted textures um, to add to the characters as well. Just to kind of, we wanted to keep the handmade feel as much as possible, right, but yeah. obviously with a small budget and a team of artists working all over the world in several different countries, we had to use a computer a lot. I don't think we could have made it actually without computers. So that's the ironic part of it. Really? Yeah. So, so all the work wasn't done just in Ireland? No, no, we had a, it was a, a French-Irish-Belgian co-production. We uh-huh. also did some, um, some animation in Hungary and in, uh, a little bit in Brazil. Um, but the studio in Hungary was uh, actually a, a quite an old studio that had been there since socialist times, mm-hmm. and they'd worked on some of the Hungarian folktales that I'd seen as a kid, and I was really inspired. It was amazing to be able to work with them. Oh, jeez. That, that, so it's, it's, it's a very international production with this. Yeah, it was an international co-production. I mean, we raised the money between the different countries as well, you know, so it wasn't. We weren't able to raise the full budget just in Ireland, so it was kind of a necessity as well. But it became a, a really nice part of the production, too, that we were able to work with different teams. Hmm. Yeah. Now, with the story itself, I, what? how did you come up with that story? What it was was that we, we wanted to tell a story that was... Um, Let's say we wanted to make an animation. I wanted to sort of find an animation style that was based on Celtic art. And we started looking at where Celtic art actually came from. And it all came from the Book of Kells, which is like the national treasure in Ireland. That's like the the main uh, touchstone for uh, that style, that look. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, when we were looking for a story, we didn't have to look very far because the legends and the history around the Book of Kells itself were so fascinating. You could probably make ten different movies about it, you know? Yeah. And so we were able to hone in on that. And, and that's where the... Story came from. Uh-huh. So, you, when you started out, you wrote the the basic story from yeah. the folklore and everything that you yeah, heard. Yeah, that's it. See, what happened was I wrote several different drafts and. Um uh, originally worked with a, a guy called Aidan Hart in, this, in our studio. He ended up directing Skunk Fu, a TV series that yes. we did. And uh, we were kind of uh, both uh, interested by Joseph Campbell's uh, whole idea of the hero's journey and how uh, all the different mythologies in the different cultures have a commonality, a kind of universal theme. And we sort of that was sort of our main um, uh, inspiration in telling Brendan's story in that way. And then I hooked up with a screenwriter called uh, Fabrice Zulkowski through uh, Didier Brunet, the French co-producer. And he helped us really, you know, like write the final screenplay and uh, make sure that the whole story was universal and uh, not just kind of an esoteric Irish story, but something that could be appreciated anywhere, mm-hmm. hopefully. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great story, and, and the animation is so beautiful, and, and it's just a great, great film. Thanks, man. And now, um, with the, the actual making of the film, uh, you say it took, like, you said three years actual work yeah it's that's amazing that's <laughs> to take that long you know i i know how animation is it's a very slow process yeah and I mean, we had the added difficulty um of uh, working in multiple sites you know we had artists all over the world working on it so yeah it was a long it was a long time looking back on it but it just flew by because it took us so long to get into production we often dreamt it would never get you know we were often kind of dreaming of getting it made and worried that it would never get into production so when it did get into production in 2005 um, it was really a celebration, and then we sort of realized, okay, now we have to make it. 
Now, now I notice a lot of people when they do animation, um, a lot of times producers or, or directors or something, um, they might do one of the voices. And I noticed uh, Paul Young, one of the producers, yes, right. was was one of the voices. Yeah, well, Paul's actually a pretty talented artist and actor, and um, he sort of had to sacrifice that side of his personality a bit over the years, becoming a producer. Mm -hmm. He still works. He still, you know, does acting for amateur theatre and stuff in in Ireland. So. Um, he got he he jumped at the chance. I actually wanted him to take a bigger role, but there wasn't really a part for him, um, other than Brother Square. So he had a bit of fun with that. Yeah. No. Why didn't you do one? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be half as good an actor now as Paul or any of the rest of them. I'm much more happy to be drawn than to be acting. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because a lot of times you'll see where where the director will you know do a little voice somewhere in the yeah. film. <laughs> I actually make an appearance. I'm I'm one of the people who gets. Uh, uh, killed by Vikings at one point. <laughs> There's a guy who's getting chased by Vikings and the Viking is uh, uh, shouting gold and lifts him up and uh, that's actually a caricature of me. So. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> thinking you'll miss my appearance. <laughs> now, uh, you, you also wrote one of the songs for the film? Yeah, well that was, I mean, I, I, sometimes I feel a bit, a bit sheepish about that credit. I mean, I wrote the, the, the words Mm -hmm. And then Bruno Coulet wrote the music. The composer wrote the uh, wrote the music, and it was actually the music was actually played by Keila. So um, it was a it was a nice collaboration. I mean, it was just that we wanted the song to be in Gaelic and stuff. And obviously, Bruno is a, a French chap, so um, myself and uh, my co-director Nora sort of were uh, had hooked onto this uh, Gaelic um, ancient uh, sort of saying, um, and it's. Um, Neil to say like yo, there's nothing in life but mist. Oxney be me bio, oxel bio gar. We're only here for a short, sharp time, and it became kind of a theme of the movie, and uh, we used that as the words for the song. Hmm, it's 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 very uh, the music is very haunting and and uh, you know and it goes with the mood of the film too very much. Yeah, well, we're really lucky to work with um, Bruno and Keila. I mean, we'd originally asked Keila to get involved with the music, and. Um, then later when we started to co-produce in France, it was suggested that Bruno would be the, the composer, and which was fantastic. I think Keela were really delighted to work with him as well because he's such an experienced film composer. And they were able to have, um, you know, kind of arrange the tunes that he wrote mm -hmm. and uh, play them in, in a more traditional style and, and bring something to it that way. And yet we were still able to have an overall um, uh, kind of more classical composition to the whole film. But some of their, um, some of their music was also used uh, directly as it, as it was. Their music was very inspiring for us because they were like, um, they're kind of doing what we're doing in a way in music. I hope that, you know that they're um, uh, modern musicians using traditional instruments and traditional um, uh, practices, and uh, inspired by traditional Irish music. But they're bringing in influences uh, from you know modern music and from all over the world. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, being the director, do you have a lot of say in as far as the music too or is that someone else that handles that portion 
No, I mean, uh, let's say that I spent most of my time working with images and uh, artwork, and that's maybe more my forte. And with the music, I was able to really just enjoy it. Um, we, Myself and Nora uh, picked a lot of tent music first, and that was kind of our inspiration music. And actually, we had to listen to that for most of the production time because it was only at the end we got to record the music. Yeah. And so when we got the music recorded, it was really magic because it added another layer to the to the film that we hadn't seen before. Now, the first time you got to see the film with an audience, uh, were you nervous? Uh, <laughs> I'm still a bit nervous every time I see the film. Really? <laughs> I was in Brazil there in August. We had a, we have a Brazilian release, and they were showing it in Portuguese, and I was sitting there going, God, I hope they like it here. <laughs> <laughs> so did they redo the voices and everything? Yeah, it's in Portuguese in, in, in Brazil. It's amazing. So every country that you, you are releasing it in, they're doing it in, the, in that language? Usually, yeah. It depends on the local distributor. They usually make a call on whether or not they think it needs to be dubbed or whether subtitles would work for the audience there. You know, in Slovenia, I think it's just subtitles. Um, and some other countries, it's just subtitles. But generally, I think, they're, it's a, I think it's generally um, re-dubbed, which is always interesting to hear. I'm usually not involved in that. I was only involved in the French and Flemish dub because mm-hmm. those were co-producers. I helped to pick the voices for those dubs, which is interesting. But uh, every other country, it's like a, I'm discovering the film again whenever I hear it. Right. When, it when, you, when you hear it in those other uh, languages, do you sometimes say to yourself, oh, that voice doesn't fit, you know? <laughs> do no, it's funny. I think I've been, I've been happy with any dub that I've heard so far because it's so foreign to me anyway to hear it in another language. Right, it's yeah. It's like, oh, that's interesting, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it does seem funny. But it's just as funny that the characters will be speaking English, you know? So yeah. They should be all speaking Gaelic and Latin, really, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and I know filmmakers, you know, any, any times I've seen them at festivals and everything, they're, they're always, you know, sitting in the back of the theater because they want to see the reaction of the people. Did they get this joke? Did they, right. you know, are they getting this emotion? And, and it's, it's always interesting to see the reaction to what, what's going on. When I first showed the film in, in France, it was shown in France before it was released in Ireland. I remember being uh, very conscious of the scary part, so I was afraid that the kids would be too scared. So yeah. I really was, you know, feeling what was the temperature like around me. Mm-hmm. Did, did, did the kids get scared? Yeah, sometimes you, very young kids can be a little bit scared, but they usually seem to enjoy it, you know, and there's always the relief afterwards, you know. Right. I remember watching Bambi and, and uh, Pinocchio as a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of enjoyed how intense it got at certain periods. So, you know, we thought thought it was okay, definitely for the six years upwards anyway. Right, yeah, yeah. Now, when you actually found out that you were nominated for an Oscar, uh, how did you feel? Um, it was kind of disbelief, because... Um, we didn't really think it was likely that um, we'd be nominated this year considering the quality of the other films. You know, even like Miyazaki had a film that was up for consideration to be nominated as mm-hmm. well. So um, it was just like a little bit of disbelief and it was a bit of a blur those few weeks. It was pretty amazing. And because um, I'm from a small town, we became like a bit of a minor celebrity in Kilkenny for right. <laughs> a few weeks, which is kind of fun, funny, you know. I mean, to, to be honest, uh, until I saw the nominations... I hadn't heard of your film. That's what was so great about it. I loved that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we hadn't even really had a proper release in America, but it was such a boost because we'd only shown it a little bit in New York and in L.A. just to qualify. Yeah. And uh, the film hadn't been released yet, and I think it kind of expanded the possibilities for the film here. Oh, and, sure. Uh, more, more people discovered it, which was really fantastic. And it added a certain glean to, you know, gloss to it even back home. I think people looked at it again back home with a 
you know, a kind of a new respect that it had gotten. It wasn't just like an Irish project. It right. Was actually been, uh, had gotten a certain amount of accolades in the States, you know. Yeah, I mean, to, you know, I mean, just to be nominated in, with, with being in the same category as, as those films that were nominated, yeah. other no- nominated, and one, it, it's, it's like, you know, wow. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was a big win for me just to be there. I mean, it was just amazing. And then I got to meet some of the directors of the other films and oh. get to know them a little bit, which was massive for me. Because I'm just, at, at heart, I'm still just a geek anyway. So <laughs> I was just like, hey, <laughs> I don't have to wait in a queue to get Pete Doctor's autograph. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so when you were at the Oscars, did you get a chance to meet a lot of uh, movie stars? And yeah, a little bit. I have to admit that I'm I'm such a nerd that my wife was more excited about, it and she she recognized more people than me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was more excited about uh, meeting some of the other animation people that I'd always um, looked up to. You know. Yeah. Now you mentioned Don Bluth. Did you ever get a chance to uh, actually meet Don, Don Bluth? I, I met him. I shook his hand and thanked him for being sort of you know the, the the grandfather or the father of Irish animation there in Los Angeles. He was at a kind of a convention in Los Angeles last year, and uh, and it, he's an older gentleman now. And uh, sort of just uh, you know took my took my place in the line when I when I got up to meet him. I shook his hand. He had heard of the film even then before the nominations, which was very gratifying for me. Hmm. Yeah. Now. Uh, your film, uh, one of the producers, uh, is it that one of the producers was um, responsible for the triplets? Of That's right, our two, like, I mean, what happened was we'd been working on the film for a long time on, on our own, and then we went to um, like a kind of film financing forum in, in Europe called the Cartoon Movie. And um, that's where we met uh, Les Amateurs and Vivi Film, which is like Didier Brunet is the main producer in Les Amateurs, and Vivian Van Fletteren is the producer of Vivi Film. And they basically had just, they were just wrapping up uh, Triplets of Belleville, mm-hmm. um, which also got nominated for an Oscar and, and, you know, had a kind of release here in the States. Right, yeah. Again. Yeah, it was one of the break breakout kind of European features that kind of crossed over. So it was exciting for us to be part of that. You know, they took us on as their follow-up film. And... Um, I guess they recognized that we've been working on it for a long time and had put an awful lot of effort into it already, you know, so they were getting involved in something that was um, already quite developed. And then they brought a lot to the table, too, by bringing their experience and their kind of expertise to it, you know. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure that that was a boost to have them on board. Oh, it, it, it's what made, made the difference in the film just being a pipe dream and actually getting made, you know. Yeah, yeah, it must have been thrilling, jeez. Now, um, what other projects do you have going on right now? Oh, well, I mean, we're just continuing on uh, trying to earn a living back in the studio in Kilkenny doing bits and pieces of everything, but I'm trying to give as much time as possible to my new film, uh, The Song of the Sea. Yes, tell us, can you tell us about that and one? It's, um, it's a feature film I started to develop um, while I was trying to finish Secret of Cows, and um, it's just kind of exploring some of the themes that were coming up for me around uh, working on The Secret of Cows, how a lot of this uh, folklore and mythology is getting a little bit lost and buried in the modern world. And um, I wanted to make a film about that, and um, I ended up making a film, uh, developing a film, hopefully it's going to go into production soon, um, about a little girl who's actually a silky, and she lives in, like, you know, modern day, probably Dublin, and she has to make her way across the country with her brother, um, back to the west coast, back to the sea, mm-hmm. and along the way, um, well, a selkie, I should explain, is a, is a creature from um, Scottish and Irish uh, folklore that can, it's kind of like a, a, a creature that can live both in the human world and in the fairy world. So she can take the form of a seal um, and swim in the sea, but also um, she can be a, a human, you know? Uh-huh. So she's kind of like the last selkie, and she's on her way back to the, to the sea, and on her way she kind of discovers all these creatures that are, you know, becoming part of the landscape and, and fading away as they're not being... 
and vets are being forgotten about, you know. Yeah. And so I take it you like to have a lot of folklore mixed into your, your stories. Yeah, I mean, I used to joke that the next film I made after Kev's was going to be about, you know, girls in bikinis on a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> to shake things up a bit. But uh, this one is just an evolution of Kel, so you know, who knows what's next, but yeah, these two are definitely kind of um, a little bit related that way. Yeah. Now, I also understand that um, you've got some things going on with uh, The Secret of Kells as far as um, a graphic novel? Yeah, it's great. I mean, we're going to the Comic-Con this weekend here in New York, and um, my friend Ross Stewart, who is the art director on The Secret of Kells, we're all school buddies, and uh, he's working over in uh, Portland now in Leica, and uh, he's coming over for the Comic Con as well, and we're launching a, a graphic novel version of the of the movie that even has. Uh, I've made some little special um, prequels, some little extra story to for people who are really interested in the characters in the film to see a little bit of the background uh, to the characters. So um, it's been released kind of you know for the iPod and, and iPad and right. online and stuff like that. So. Yeah, wow, that that's great. That's uh, you know you really. Getting into the, you know, getting uh, hitting all the markets. The yeah. media has changed over the years so much. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, to me, it's even amazing. I mean, I still read comic, print comics, but um, I'm starting to really like this iPad thing because I don't have to carry around so many heavy books if I want to read them while I travel. I, I just want to wish you luck with all okay. the all the things you've got involved here, and um, it's Thank uh, you very much. it's a great film. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm glad you did, and thanks a lot for taking the time to talk to me. It all helps to spread the word. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. We appreciate right. it. Talk to you soon. That was Tom Moore. Thank you so much, Tom, for taking the time to talk to us. He's got a busy schedule right now because he's at uh, going to this convention and everything, and he's in the United States for a little while. Then he heads back, and he's going to be working on his new film. Can't wait for that one to come out. And be sure to check out The Secret of Kells on DVD. It's in stores everywhere right now. And don't forget, on the next On Screen and Beyond, our guest is someone who was, uh, has a Star Trek past with them, and they are one of the stars of a classic family film. That's all I'm going to tell you right now. Hope you're going to join us for that. Till then, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care. <laughs>